Is he eating my salami? That's what it looks like. Hmm. It's nine o'clock in the morning. Oh, I know. Not really breakfast food, but it was looking good in the fridge. I had a dog, so. Yeah, it is good. Is that the last of it? Yep. Oh! You didn't want some, did you? No, it's all right. Oh, it's fine. It's fine. Something tells me that it's not fine. Merry Christmas, everyone. Uh, welcome to Cut to Black, a Soprano sit-down. My name is Jim Scampoli, and I've seen many James Gandolfini movies. My name's Jacob Burrows, and I've seen two James Gandolfini movies. Ho, ho, ho. Great choice of clip, Jim. Yeah. And a Merry Christmas to you, or a Happy Christmas, Thank you. as they Thank say you. in Harry Potter. Now, yeah, it wasn't easy to find a clip to open the show. <laughs> For this one. And man, yeah. Jacob, I have to imagine you've only seen two Jacob. <laughs> you've seen only, you've only seen two James Gandolfini movies. Where are you mm. thinking right now as far as James Gandolfini, the film actor? Uh, I mean, as always, he, he's a bright spot in this, but he really like well, I, I guess I should say first. In case you haven't watched it, don't worry be worried about spoilers. Oh yeah. This is another film where if you haven't seen it. Uh, just don't worry about it. You're going to know how it ends five minutes into the film. It's a much worse film than the last one we watched, um, which was uh, The Last Castle. Um, as far as his acting, I mean, this is like a, a sitcom in uh, the form of a film, sort of. That's kind of what's going on. There is no room to do any acting beyond very, like, it's supposed to be comedic big scale acting which you know in a way it's funny to see him in this because it's such a different mood they're going for but it's also funny to see it and just go he's he's literally tony soprano in so much of this <laughs> total dude he totally like a me like when he first shows up he's just being tony soprano uh which is fun i mean it it's clear that's why they cast him though too like they were going for that yeah. and i mean that's why there's a salami scene and there's a there's a big thing. I mean, it gets it falls away. But like for the first half of the movie, like his salami is brought up a few times. That's like his main arc until he gets a car that he had when he was young. Uh, so, I mean, hmm. I'm just trying to see where we should uh, broach this first. I guess let's just yeah, let's get into overall the film overall, which I think it's kind of clear. It's not a good film. Um, yeah, I think we have to say, yeah, you probably haven't seen this film. If you're like me, you're going to look it up and go like Ben Affleck, James Gandolfini, like Catherine O'Hara, all these people you kind of know about. And then like there's this film that you just have never heard of. But to summarize it, uh, it's about Ben Affleck. He's an executive. He leaves an empty, shallow life uh, with... I'm, I'm reading this, by the way. I didn't write this. With only wealth on his side, facing another lonely Christmas head, he revisits his old childhood home in the hope of reliving some old holiday memories. But he finds that the house in which he was raised is no longer the home in which he grew up. Now, that is a better summary than the actual plot well, of the film, which is not... It's not quite correct, but uh, it, you kind of get the idea... Basically, Ben Affleck's a millionaire who rents a spot with a family for Christmas who they happen to live in his old home because he has issues and is a crazy person. But that's like, I mean, since it's already apparent that, I mean, it's not, not a good movie, but I think that there were a lot of things in place, in my opinion, for a good movie because I think yeah. the cast is really good. Um, I honestly I didn't even know Christina Applegate was in the movie until she just pops up like later in the movie. And I'm like, yeah. oh, I like all these people. And the, it's a good cast. And I actually think the idea is decent as well because, you know, I like that it's a little, I always like the little off kilter take on a Christmas movie, which, you know, it's yeah. fairly popular these days, anyways. I mean, I love Krampus. I love Bad Santa. Bad Santa, I watch every year. I love that movie. Uh, and then I was just actually like just before we started recording, cause like the wiki didn't have a ton on it. Obviously it's like no one's spending time looking up factoids. It's not like <laughs> the Godfather where people want to like research and they want to interview everyone and ask them about it. Uh, but I did, I switched on over to IMDB and there are some notes on it and yeah, the production was shot without a completed script. 
As a result, you there are... You really sense this. You do uh, sense... Sorry to cut in, but that's uh, kind of... Yeah. I, I totally agree with what you're saying, that even reading, like, the plot on Wikipedia, I'm like, this kind of sounds okay. And, you know, it's not a bad concept for a film. But uh, there's a lot of things that fall short. Sorry, go on with the yeah. quote there. Yeah, it's fine. As a result, there are many delays and arguments over what to shoot. James Gandolfini admitted in a behind-the-scenes interview that most of the film was improvised. Because that, and, and I feel that as well, because I kind of feel like even in a lot of the scenes, I'm like, oh, this is kind of almost there. Like it, like a lot of, a lot of the things, like just the movie in general, it feels like there are things that are almost there for a fun, like darker take that has, you know, even if you know where the ending's going, like a lot of Christmas movies are going to know where the ending's going, yeah. but you could still have some fun with it. And yeah, if there was a bit more... With, uh, you know, obviously we'd love more Gandolfini if he had a little bit more to play with, because I was expecting maybe more to, to, for him to play with by the end, which you know, he's, his character is almost like forgotten, kind of <laughs> like, yes. <laughs> uh, and yeah. But anyways, and then also, I mean, this movie was pushed back because they didn't want to go up against Ben Affleck's other movie, Paycheck, which is a movie I f don't remember at all. But I guess it's was one of John Woo's like last movies to ever make in the in the u.s it was that great uh what seemed like a breezy idea for an engineer to net him millions of dollars leaves him on the run for his life piecing together why he's being chased that's paycheck for you um so they bumped it to 2004 uh james i did look this up while watching it uh james gandolfini is only 10 years older than christina applegate he's also only 11 years older than ben affleck uh which i at least with the affleck it makes sense because he's paying him anyways uh, John Favreau passed on this movie to make Elf, uh, <laughs> which, you know, I guess Great he made choice. the good choice there. And oh, here's and, and I kind of want to dig into this. I wish I did ahead of time. But John White, uh, who is Ben Affleck's stand in, I guess he has a book called Dreams That Die Misadventures in Hollywood. And there's a devastating depiction of what the filming of this movie was like. <laughs> oh, my God. Forget about the Soprano sessions. Let's just get that and do another episode on this podcast, do a book club on that. I really want to dig into the behind-the-scenes stuff because it's I, you kind of get that sense uh, that it must have been a bit of a nightmare uh, because the scenes don't re quite work. It's like you kind of get what they're going for. But that clip you just played, that's kind. it's kind of funny because it's like the Sopranos, he likes his salami or whatever. Yeah, it's got I'm also like, what? also, what? Salami's not breakfast food? I disagree <laughs> vehemently. But uh, when they have like the, you know, big close-up of like, ah, oh, and then James Gandolfini walks off and like, no, it's no big deal. And he's like, is really mad but yeah. it's just so anticlimactic it's not a proper scene like it's almost there like there's, there's clearly an idea but it's not executed well and that's kind of my summary of the whole film yeah i do want to call out uh the scene right before that where he goes to slide down the banister and just falls on the <laughs> that made me laugh hard I i'm a sucker for a good for a good prat fall not to say that there always will work but i think that was a good one and i enjoyed it yeah, maybe I was just glancing away, but I didn't even get that he was going to slide down in a in a fun Christmas way. I just saw him fall through the banister, and I was like, yeah, of course he <laughs> fell through the banister. It's a, I guess the home is in disrepair. I don't know what they're trying to communicate. Um, Actually, the, let the me see. I, I'm sorry. I don't, I don't mean to cut you off, but I think I did find a little bit of this guy's book. Um, Perfect. Name of the movie, yeah, was Surviving Christmas. Oh, because, yeah, That's news good. of James Gandolfini's death brought back warm memories of when I worked on a movie back in 2003. Um, it was Surviving Christmas. It starred Ben Affleck, who at the time was in the eye of the celebrity storm as a result of high-profile relationship with Jennifer Lopez. Gandolfini was the main co-star in the movie, and I was there as Affleck's stand-in. Um, let me see So was here. he the one who, not stuntman, so he's not the one who fell through the banister, <laughs> but he was standing in for him when Ben Affleck couldn't be fucked to get to the set, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I guess, may, and maybe Gandolfini was bouncing lines off him because, yeah, Affleck couldn't, couldn't, yeah, couldn't be fucked <laughs> to stand yeah. there. Uh, he had been on countless movies and TV sets uh, and seen most of the major stars close up. The days of being excited by Hollywood, of experiencing butterflies in my stomach as I drive over to the Warner Brothers or Paramount or Disney Studios to work a movie or TV show, were behind me. 
Um, one of the few stars still capable of inducing that buzz of excitement I had lost uh, was James Gandolfini. I mean, this is good because obviously we watched this movie because yeah. of James Gandolfini. Um, yeah. Along with probably the entire Western world by this point, I was a huge fan of The Sopranos and especially the character of Tony Soprano, who he turned into a cultural icon. Uh, Surviving Christmas was one of those bad movies evidenced in the fact that it was only in theaters a few weeks before re being relegated to DVD. That's another thing I did find out. It, well, because they do this a lot with holiday movies, at least here in the States. They released mm. it at the end of October. I mean, I guess it's because they probably knew it wasn't going to do well. But I feel like either way, you're setting it up to fail. Um, yeah. I get it's close to holidays, but they released it at the end of the October. They took it out of theaters before Thanksgiving, so like mid-November, <laughs> they released it on DVD December 22nd of that year. So like eight weeks later, <laughs> wow. it was on DVD. It was on DVD. Um, so yeah, yeah. That's, and so it was an absolute privilege to be able to watch Gandolfini work every day. His instincts and timing as an actor were impeccable, as was his command of infection and the ability to know where the drama was in any given scene. More importantly, when it comes to the character of the man, was the fact that he took the time to get to know the name of everyone on the crew, the so-called little guys that most Hollywood actors blithely ignore or hardly take any notice as they go about their business over the 10 weeks of a typical movie shoot. He would smoke these huge cigars outside the soundstage or when we were shooting an exterior scene on location somewhere. I also recall how in between scenes uh, or setups, he would sit outside his trailer playing and fiddling around with these big electric model cars and trucks for hours. Always with a big smile on his face. That's hilarious. Like I, Bobby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's just hanging out. Yeah. He's got the, yeah, Bobby's uh, conductor hat on. Uh, just before a large crowd scene early one morning in a small town called Orange, uh, south of LA, which has been uh, especially turned into the Chicago suburb of uh, during Christmas time where the story was set, complete with street decorations, fake snow, hundreds of extra, extras. He was pacing up and down, puffing on one of his cigars. He seemed completely oblivious to the activity and the people around him as he focused on the scene. Suddenly, he let loose with a giant roar as if declaring that he was ready to shoot <laughs> in the process, sending a shiver of energy uh, through the set that succeeded in waking everybody up. Dude, imagine he's just, yeah, everyone's just kind of hanging out, like reading, fucking around or whatever. And then Gandolfini just starts like roaring like a lion. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I can I can see it. Can There's it. also the time as the movie entered its final couple couple weeks of shooting, he arranged to have every crew member fitted out with a commemorative bomber jacket, which he paid for himself. Uh, my most vivid memory of the man was the morning he approached me just before heading into set to start shooting his first scene of the day. First looking around to make sure no one could hear, he came up close and said, could I speak to you for a minute? As I followed him over to he the side. Said, I'm, you're better than Ben. <laughs> yeah. You, <laughs> you, know, you got it. Bullshit in this book. Yeah. You know what, kid? You got it. <laughs> As I followed him over to the side, I don't mind admitting uh, to feeling a little nervous, even though I'm 6'2 and fairly big myself. Yeah, a little humble brag. Uh, Gandolfini dwarfed me in size and had hands the size of snow shovels. Uh, what's this about? I remember thinking to myself, what have I done? He found a quiet spot on the soundstage, stopped, turned around, and with a furrowed brow that was pure Tony Soprano, said in his broad New Jersey accent, uh, did I see you in Ralph's on Beverly and Fairfax last night around 8 o'clock? Ralph's is a supermarket chain in L.A. He was asking if he'd seen me in the supermarket. I looked at him, shook my head, and told him, no, it wasn't me. Uh, okay, he said, I wasn't sure. I just don't want you to think I was being ignorant because I didn't say hi. And with that, he headed back over to set to start his scene. James Gandolfini was a Hollywood star, and I was a mere stand-in, a complete nobody in the scheme of things. Yet there he was, just prior to shooting a scene in the movie, concerned that he may have slighted me by failing to say hi in the supermarket. Uh, he didn't know me, and he didn't have to do that. He was a genuinely decent human being, a class act on and off screen, which in Hollywood is a rare thing indeed. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of fun. Indeed. And a fun story. I, that's yeah, not no, actually I, from his book. He does plug his book in this article. This was, I guess, shortly after he passed, just like a quick blog he wrote. Well, that that will do. I, I guess yeah. we'll skip the episode where we read his book. Sorry, dude. <laughs> yeah. He just gave away the goods for free. That's what we wanted. Um, yeah, no, it was worth watching the film just for that because that's kind of the stuff where, you know, it's hard not to be nostalgic about James Gandolfini and, you know, learning more about him what he could have done who he was great bomber jacket story <laughs> um yeah it, it it's it's cool it's too bad about the film though yeah like, and, and yeah kind of back to what we we're talking about like 
there's a few, there's a couple moments and I think you could see the potential. Um, and I mean, just the idea, like, cause obviously most Christmas movies, they're going to play with the, uh, you know, how commercial Christmas is. And like, that's the thing. And I'm like, and this is literally someone buying a family because they're lonely. Uh, yeah. so I, it, it is a bummer Cause I, I think even reading like that, cause we were talking before we started recording, like the, there's what four credited writers on this. It's four credited writers. There's like, as far as I can tell, two writing pairs where Harry Elfont and Deborah Kaplan, they've written together before they've written can't hardly wait. And they've yeah. written, uh, Josie and the Pussycats um and this piece of shit yeah um and they also it's never really super like doesn't fill you with confidence when it's like screenplay by and there's like four or five people yes there's a couple of other writers on it as well who've worked on you know a couple good things that 70s show uh murphy brown for some reason but there's a whole host of people in the kitchen there i i feel like the strong vision it was based on a, a an idea or story from from the first two people i mentioned uh written can't hardly wait um and it's not a bad idea in itself, but the idea of them filming this without a script, like that's yes. the worst thing they could have done to make this uh, not work because it, to make this not work because there's just no heart behind it in my like. And yeah. then there's not enough of a basis for the scenes to stand on. Scenes might work on their own in isolation, but the story doesn't make sense, really. Uh, we should also say it's directed by Mike Mitchell, who directed Sky High um, and uh, Deuce Bigelow, uh, Male Gigolo, yeah. and uh, Alvin and the Chipmunks, Lego Movie 2. Well, no, sorry. Alvin and the Chipmunks, colon, Chipwrecked. Uh, <laughs> Trolls, the first one. Which was a big and, hit, apparently. Uh, and Trolls 2 is a yeah. big hit. Yeah. Uh, and he, interestingly, yeah, he so he directed, like, one of the Shreks that nobody cares about, unless you really care about Shrek, uh, like the third one or whatever. Uh, but he was, like, a, a story artist on Ants, Shrek 2, Shrek the third. So I would put this fella in, in the pile of good people who are involved, you know? I love Sky High, and, like, some of these animated films are not bad. Uh, so, again, a good person, but it just didn't come together. <laughs> And yeah. I, did we even did we say James Gandolfini's the dad? Like I don't even know if we got into that, but obviously yeah. James Gandolfini's the dad, guys. <laughs> yeah, James Gandolfini's the dad. Because yeah, there's also just like little things about the movie too. Because again, we're going like the story is you know Ben Affleck, he's got it all, but does he have it all? I mean, because you know he's calling he's calling his friends on Christmas, and you know there's some funny asides there. Like, hey, what are you doing? Oh, doing the family thing. Ah, oh, good call. Mind if I mind if I hang out? Like, he's just you know desperate to hang out with someone on Christmas, and then he just shows up. He has to what? He hunts down his girlfriend's therapist at the airport. This makes no fucking sense. This is what I'm talking about, <laughs> yeah. where yeah, I, I, the idea of the script, the idea behind the whole film is not communicated well at all in the first few scenes because there's so much stuff where you're like, ah, this is a film about a psychopath, which I guess they wanted to communicate that. But basically, mm -hmm. they set up Ben Affleck as like he's you know he's got it all now if this film came out a few years later he would have been a dot-com millionaire he would have been mm. a mark zuckerberg it would have made total sense because he lives in this like mansion-like apartment and and all but actually they just have a quick <clears throat> scene to show he's in advertising i guess yeah uh, but he's like a hot shot and he doesn't like wear rich people clothes he's like a slob or whatever but he's just he, he he he's in advertising which so he's like it's like a madman scene in this film from the early 2000s um, and and he talks about like oh we're gonna sell this eggnog that's like got alcohol in it I didn't even know there was eggnog that didn't have alcohol in it we're gonna sell this eggnog and uh, we're gonna sell it with the idea of everyone hates hanging out with their family at Christmas right so you need to get drunk right that's how everything sold at Christmas by the way but uh, so it's not really revolutionary but that's yeah. his idea that's to show us that he does that scene shows us he hates Christmas right yeah and then the next scene is all about him trying to call people well though sorry there's his girlfriend he gets tickets to go to Fiji on Christmas with his girlfriend. Again, emphasizing for me, he doesn't care about Christmas. He wants to get away for Christmas. But no, what the film is actually trying to say is this guy hates being lonely. That's yeah. not communicated in any of these scenes. But, also, but that's the next scene, as you said, is quite good when he's calling people and everyone's yeah. saying no. He, like, that's when we get into that. But it's just so... 
uh, clumsy how it's put together. And then getting to the scene you mentioned, he hunts down his girlfriend's <laughs> therapist. Yeah. Now the fact that this scene is in the movie at all is bananas. Not never mind the fact that they're in airport security and he's like just the, like because this is after nine eleven. He's somehow yeah. just at the security gates, but having a shouting match with his girlfriend's therapist, who he's bribed to get in contact with. This is psychopathic behavior. <laughs> uh, so if they want to communicate that, that's fine. I guess that's part of what they want to say but then it's supposed to be this comedic thing where he gets some advice from this therapist and then the whole rest of the film is based on that why couldn't he just have a therapist i don't yeah, know that <laughs> exactly because yeah it's something of how i don't yeah i don't know but also even going back to his girlfriend like you know he has this girlfriend at the beginning and yeah he offers her like first class tickets to yeah what was it fiji to, to Haiti, fiji yeah something like that but she at the beginning she's like no you know family and christmas but then later she needs to be the vapid like uh materialistic like she has to change her character by the end so christina applegate can be a character because then she's like well no, i mean i know they try to make this a, a soft excuse of like well no like she realized her family stinks too but it's still like even before that when she's all excited about the bracelet it's like this girl that's excited about the bracelet and wants to see him would be super excited about first class Trip tickets to Fiji, to Fiji yeah. even on yeah. Christmas. Like it just that even that doesn't quite wash. You know what I mean? Like yeah. they, they didn't. It, it does reek again of like they got to, you know, we, we got to make the movie. We don't have a script. Let's make it because I don't know. It just doesn't make sense. Um, but and all throughout, they're kind of acting like everyone on like they're acting like oh it's clear that he just hates his family and doesn't want to see his family i have no idea why people don't assume that his family's not around anymore yeah there's like that would obviously be the thing because the reason she's mad at the start is you never introduced me to your family and it's just clear from the way he's talking that there's like no family around for him to introduce (laughs) her to that's why it's so fucking lonely and everyone says like ah you must really hate your family if you want to hang out with us it's supposed to be like a reveal for us the viewers i guess yeah (laughs) but it's obvious that it's that's the case from the start it's so it doesn't quite land yeah it's so clear there's a tragedy like we're gonna be opened up to a tragic story um, but even going to like the Gandolfini's family, cause we have Gandolfini and Catherine O'Hara and then they have their teenage son. But like initially I'm like, wait, so why does this family hate Christmas? Because I get like the situations weird. Like it's, it, who would want to be like at the beck and call of a guy because he's, you know, going to give you a lot of money. But some of the things are just basic ass things. Like, oh, we got to get a Christmas tree. Are you serious? I got to wear a Santa hat. Like, I, I mean, I get it's more because someone's telling you to do it. But even initially, like, I mean, I the later, I guess it's the more the reveal is that just they're an unhappy family. And that's like, you know, they're splitting up or whatever. But it's not apparent enough initially why, like, just basic ass, like putting up Christmas decorations and stuff is like, oh, my, are you serious? Like Christmas lights. Like, it just doesn't, it doesn't really come across what, why, like, what the issue is. Yeah. Um, they're basically married with children. Um, yeah. Which is why Christina Applegate's there also. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it's basically, one, one other movie that I thought of watching all of these scenes was uh, Meet the Parents, um, yeah. which I rewatched quite recently, which is obviously not the same plot but it's similar in the way that they it's like about family dynamics and comedy and super awkward weird situations and i thought of that because meet the parents goes into all of these uh, like absurd situations but it's all grounded in realism it's grounded in like th- they have these super awkward moments and conflicts but it's grounded in like we believe that these characters are who they say they are and in this film you don't really know who you don't understand any of the characters or you do but on a very surface level of like i'm saying the lines now because these lines were in the script so now <laughs> it's time to talk about how i don't think this is good and i'm a commercial person i don't yeah it's it's just this film doesn't have a base to stand on for any of the scenes where if they established things better it might have made more sense yeah absolutely 
Um, I mean, I do like, I mean, I guess this is more of a product of, uh, uh, you know, the times like early 2000s. Not to say that, I mean, obviously there's dark humor and stuff now, but I, mean, I don't know, like when the, the kid has a joke about like people are, uh, the guy's sending him bus tickets over the internet, like... <laughs> I mean, it's just it's like a pedophile joke. And then the, uh, yeah. the, like the girlfriend's family, like, Oh, I love how colorful your tree is. Reminds yes. me of the colors of the simple people in Mexico, bright and vulgar. Like, <laughs> yes, that's pretty good. Uh, yeah. I mean, cause I, I, cause I enjoy, you know, I mean, this might sound weird, but I, I do kind of enjoy like, I guess mean comedy, like not to say that mm. it's too mean, but like, Again, I guess Bad Santa is like a great example because it's kind of mean, but then there's heart to it and it like flips itself on that and plays off of it. And and I guess I more appreciate that this movie's trying to go for that. It's just that obviously it doesn't work and and they had no script, so there's no like <laughs> guiding force or basis. I wonder like why would they just rush it? I mean, I guess th these are questions that come up with Hollywood productions all the time. I mean, I'm, I'm sure at the time Affleck was a big name, so we need Affleck and obviously Gandolfini and Gandolfini, if he's working on The Sopranos, he has a, a window when he can be available. And then Affleck, I'm sure this was actually like a string of bombs for Affleck. There's a whole paragraph about how like he has Daredevil, which was, I mean, even though critically a lot of people didn't like it, but it did well. Um, and then basically after that was like this movie and like every other movie until Gone Baby Gone uh, four years later uh, were all flops between Geely, Paycheck, Jersey Girl. Um, I think there might have even been like another one. Oh, Hollywood Land. Oh, Hollywood Land was a comeback film. Uh, so, yeah, but anyways, basically, yeah, a bunch of bombs until he directed his own film. Um, but yeah, that's why, like, I mean, I guess it's, maybe it's easy to sit in our seat with hindsight and be like, why would you just make a movie without a script? But then they're the, the people that thinking that they're just banking on stars are like, well, we only yeah. have this money for this amount of time. We only have this window and we have to get it done, but I'm probably giving them too much of a benefit of, a, of the doubt. No, I, I, I totally see where you're coming from. Um, it is just astounding, though. You have four four people credited as writers, and you didn't have, like, a script at the end of it. Or probably they must have had, like, different versions of scripts that were kind of cobbled together. So probably in one version, our millionaire was more focused on, uh, you know, hating Christmas and hating people. And then in another version, he's more like, I hate being alone. And those kind of got mashed up. And then in another version, there was probably something about his girlfriend's therapist earlier on. So maybe it made sense in that version for him to track down <laughs> his uh, girlfriend's therapist in the airport and all that shit. Um, it didn't in this version that we watched. Uh, but yeah, it's amazing how Ben Affleck just uh, got through all of that. It's... Uh, being a handsome white man in Hollywood, it sure has its perks. <laughs> I mean, two of the other writers were writers on The Simpsons. Although I guess they only mm. wrote like a couple episodes, but still, I mean. And that 70s show, yeah. Oh, yeah, and that um, 70s show, yeah. And The Grubs. But, of course, The Grubs. <laughs> uh, don't know what the fuck. The so I, I wanted to go back. So after this airport scene, right, the yes. doctor tells him to visit, write a list of his grievances, burn them. And I guess at his childhood home or whatever, and burn the list and then say, I forgive you. And then so he goes to do that. And then uh, James Gandolfini comes out of his house with a snow shovel and hits him in the back of the head. This scene was great because yeah. I totally expected him to start chopping this guy up, like because he's so Tony. He's almost <laughs> yeah. got like the robe on, right? I think he's in his, I don't know, underpants or whatever. He just whacks him over the head with a shovel. You totally expect him to cut this guy up, you know, salt him and just uh, distribute the body parts uh, around town. Um, but instead... He, he wakes up inside and uh, gets a little tour and then makes the offer of $250,000 to spend Christmas with the family. And they get a contract and everything. Well, even and that's that... exciting incident. Well, even that, like, the, the order of events, like, after he wakes up in the house, like, I, I mean, I'm, this, at this point, I'm kind of nitpicking, but it's like, because he's like, uh, can I get a tour? And But then Catherine O'Hara is like, yeah, of course. And because... Cause she gives him the tour, but then after yeah. she's like, 
get this guy the fuck out of here. <laughs> exactly. And then Gandolfini's like holding on for the money or whatever. But it's just like, I don't know. It just doesn't make sense. Like, why is she why is she like, yeah, of course. I mean, I got the impression when she said that she's like kind of like fucking with her Flippins. husband. But yeah. Uh, yeah, just being whatever. But then it's like a turn on a dime. It's like, oh, get the fuck out of here. I don't know. But again, like, and I was even thinking during this movie, uh, I was like, it, it is amazing. Like on one hand, going back to like criticizing the producers or the studio for going ahead with a film that doesn't have a script. It is amazing if there are people in something that you like that you will withstand a, uh, like quite a bit. Cause I was thinking that during this movie, I was like, I don't like this, but I do like James Gandolfini. I like Catherine O'Hara. I like Christina yeah. Applegate. I like Ben Affleck. I know a lot of people don't like Ben Affleck, but I do like, I like me some Affleck. Uh, I mean, I'm a, I'm a Kevin Smith fan from way back, even though I don't like him anymore, but you know, that's a whole other story. But uh, yeah. Affleck in those movies was always good. Yeah. Uh, and it's also like the thing he's requesting is so small uh, for $250,000 to just spend Christmas with the family. The whole yes. thing is that it's a weird thing. So basically, obviously, in the story, after this, it has to kind of get worse and worse for the family to put the pressure on, and they have to go, oh, I can't believe we agreed to this, and then yeah. like try to decide, are we going to go ahead with this or not? So then he forces them to go out and buy a tree. Like you said, they're super grumpy about it, even though it's basic-ass Christmas shit. Yeah. <laughs> um, like, oh, we're the Santa Cap in public. Uh, Again, it's uh, it's more someone telling you to do something. But then, guess what? If someone gave me two hundred and fifty thousand dollars, I I <laughs> yeah. wouldn't mind the Santa hat. Yeah, that I wouldn't much. mind the Santa hat. <laughs> and I guess it's also too because, like, again, going back to not being there, not being a script because they they it's almost like they realize in the scene that okay yeah this isn't that bad so then they have to make ben affleck's character like a little bit more insufferable like for no reason which i get is kind of the point but um like they i don't know he has to be like a douche about it but then yeah then gandolfini's character has to be annoying about it i think one of the main reviews that's quoted on the wiki kind of explains it even though i don't I don't hate, I mean, I actually enjoy movies with unlikable characters, but I guess they mm -hmm. describe it better. Surviving Christmas is unpleasant characters attacking each other for 90 minutes before delivering a typical hollow anti-consumerist message. Uh, it was ranked number 91 uh, out of the 100 worst reviewed films of the 2000s, I guess of the whole decade. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's like they, I, I, it'd be fine to make him unlikable and I mean, obviously looking at it from a capitalistic like uh, point of view of like, oh man, rich guys could just hire a family or even like the the parasite version of this movie. I mean, maybe yes. this is like parasite before parasite in a lot of ways. <laughs> right. uh, but if there was just a little bit more finesse with that, where you can make him unlikable, but have him coming up with silly things for them to do. Eh, I don't yeah. know. I'm, I'm, we're I'm, I'm saying the same shit over and over again, but continue yeah, with the plot. Like, I want to go over the beats of the film because yeah. I've, I'd honestly forgotten stuff. And then I was reading and I was like, oh, yeah, that made no sense. <laughs> uh, but one thing before that, he does call James Gandolfini and Catherine O'Hara mom and dad, <laughs> yes, which yeah. is like, again, I want to see a scene with him and an actual therapist, you know, like in The Sopranos, mm. like how because what because I'm trying to understand this character. But he immediately jumps in and starts calling them mom and dad. And like later on, it's obviously revealed that he didn't have much many Christmases growing up. He's trying to relive that, but there's obviously something fucked up going on in this man's brain and we're not privy to what's happening in it. He's just being annoying. We're not with this character at any point of the story. Um, but yeah, anyway, so <laughs> one thing that happens is uh, Christina Applegate shows up, the daughter, and uh, our main character, Ben Affleck, is really annoyed because he never had a sister. He never had a d dad either, but, uh, <laughs> you know, he's fine with that yeah, part. Yeah, I don't think he had a story. brother. I don't think he had a brother either. Yep, I don't think so. So anyway, he suggests she should portray the maid, 
uh, or whatever. This bit is kind of like close to being fun where yeah. Drew has written a script for them and sits yeah. them all down. And that's kind of a fun idea, making them all read out these things. Uh, you know, if this is actually what I'm going for. I'm sorry, we got off on the wrong foot. And then that he hires a local actor to play his own grandfather. That's a funny idea as well. And there's even a couple of funny moments that come from that, I think. Um, but in, in short... Uh, it's not really well developed enough and it, it just ends up feeling like we're sitting in these scenes for quite a long time, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Because yeah, you, you're right. The, the script thing comes up, it, it has potential and then it doesn't go anywhere. And then it just kind of doesn't come up again. Um, yeah. Duda shows up, Duda is a fun idea. And then of course, clearly when Duda shows up later, like, I mean, I, you, you could speak what's going to happen before it happens because I'm like, oh, Duda's going to be black or Chinese now. And Gandolfini's trying to warn Ben Affleck, but, you know, he's not going to hear it. He's not having it. Yeah, because later on, stakes are, quote, raised because the reason that matters later is that his girlfriend from the first scene, who clearly he doesn't care about, by the way, because yes. he only cares about not spending Christmas alone after that, so he never really cared about this person, but he, she shows up later, and he's like, oh shit, now we have to pretend for realsies that you guys are my family. <laughs> yes. Again, I get that that could make sense, but as I said, he never cared about this girl from the start, but it's really, really important to pretend that we're all a family for their sake, and as you said, uh, his black grandfather shows up, uh, the actor and all of that. Another thing uh, is, uh, skipping back, um, uh, Ben Affleck takes uh, the two kids of the family, who are roughly his age, uh, <laughs> sledding. And they go up like in a helicopter, because again, showing he has all this money to blow. They go up in a helicopter and find like a huge hill, and they go down it, and then he moves to kiss uh, uh, Christina Applegate, who... He's just talked about how annoyed he is. And I suppose that's this shorthand we're supposed to understand that when two people pick on each other, yeah. they actually like each other. But in this scenario, they have absolutely no reason to like each other. Or at least she has no reason to like him because he's a crazy person who showed up and is uh, paying her family to hang out with them and make them do stuff they don't want to do. Uh, but of course, there's a romance. Like as soon as she showed up, I was like, ah, the yeah. romance is here. Well, and, he, and it's and, actually the fact that this is written that it's... Uh, at the start of the wiki, uh, Surviving Christmas is a 2004 American romantic comedy. Yes. I romantic. would dispute yeah. that fact. <laughs> and honestly, just the simple, the simple choice of like not having her go to kiss, not having him go to kiss her in that scene and having him try to do it in the later scene where he like brings her to the tree that she told the story about. And then it gets ruined because he just like over like spends and tries to do this big thing. Yeah. If it happened there, it would have made at least more sense because there's at yeah. least more time. Like they, 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 the goal of that was just supposed to be what he says at the beginning of just her having fun. Cause he's like, you know, Hey, why don't you just come up? We'll have some fun. What you don't like fun. And then she's like, of course, of course I like fun. It That's what fun is. So if you just have the moment where they're laughing, they have fun, then they spend time because they both have the sniffles or whatever, like you can keep the same order of events and just not have the the classic Hollywood, oh, we fell. Are we going to kiss now because we fell? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that would happen. That is such a trope that it should happen with, in any scene where anyone falls over, really. Like, yes. that would happen with yeah. you and me if we fell over. Like, oh, oh. Uh, yeah, oh, like, wait. Because it's the rules of television. You have to almost kiss if you fall over together. Um, and then, so, I mean, there's the yeah. whole subplot is going on in the midst of it. Or maybe you were about to be, uh, introduce yeah. it, the... Gandolfini and Catherine O'Hara, like Gandolfini fills them in that they're going to split up. And then, you know, here's, here's one thing. Here's one. Another thing that makes no sense. Gandolfini comes in. Right. And it's like, hey, kid, you got to leave because <laughs> yeah. me and the wife are going to split up. But the, the order of events, as explained to me, is they've already decided to split up. Yeah. Um, af after the holidays, they're going to tell their kids. So. Maybe they decided that before he showed up. Like they're, he says you have to leave because we're gonna split up or whatever. But it makes no sense because 
They've already decided that. They're already bad. He's not telling them to leave so they don't split up. They've already decided yeah. they're going to split up. So maybe splitting 250k down the middle would be a good sort of separation present for both of them. But now our main character, uh, Drew, or Brent, Ben Affleck, he starts to sort of try to... It, I don't know what's happening here, to be honest. He he encourages them to like indulge in themselves. I guess he's he who wants to keep them together, right? Like that's yeah. kind of what he's doing. And he's like, basically, this ends with James Gandolfini buying a car, and he sends Christine off to a photographer to get some glamour shots. Which I I guess yeah she she doesn't feel sexy doesn't feel young and he helps her with that they have a scene where that is almost touching where he says nice things to her and she like almost breaks down crying and I was like oh that was a scene that yeah. was kind of a scene there yeah but then it leads to her going off getting all these sexy photographs taken there's a disconnect in my brain because later on those photos are on like a porn site <laughs> what happened there yeah because I'm pretty yeah. sure that photographer was paid for that it wasn't like a, a sleazy back alley thing because yeah. this guy's a millionaire he's not going to send this mom to his <laughs> the person playing his mom to a porn place but those porn pictures show up online so that the kid who's always watching porn that's his personality can freak out about seeing pictures of his naked mom and they can be like revealed later but it makes no sense. Or did I miss something, Jim? I don't understand yeah, no. why they're on the internet. It doesn't really make sense. Um, because, like, yeah, I mean, because he his line is like, I know the top, like, uh, fashion photographer in Chicago. And yeah. you think, like, that's enough to just set up the joke that he's eccentric and weird, and that's why her makeover is weird. But it does, you're right, it totally doesn't wash that then it's on like a porn ad or something like that. Because you, you, you only, you can either do the joke that he like has his assistant set it up and she, yeah, it ends up in like a shady back alley place. Or it's the top fashion photographer and he's a, you know, uh, European eccentric uh, like the Autobahn from Big Lebowski or something like that, the Nihilist. Like, you, you do one or two of the jokes. You can't just, like, squish the jokes together uh, because you want to, you know, have the, rev- the, the the crazy stuff later. And then also the goof on top of that of how, like, the sun is so frozen by it that he can't stop staring at it. <laughs> yeah, he's there watching that and it seems to be just one image forever yeah. of his naked mom. It's and just like the of... fact that the doodah, the grandma, grandpa actor comes in like, oh, what's this now? Back in my day, you had to yeah. take a dirty lady around the corner and give her a penny and she'll show her dirty bits. How does this work? And picks up the mouse and tries to click stuff like, and he's like, oh, I'll show you how it works. Weird yeah. old man. <laughs> I'll show you how to get porn. We'll be brothers in this. And then, oh, that looks like your mother. Yeah. And then he's frozen there for ages until the rest of the family shows up. And uh, later he throws his computer down the stairs, understandably so. And I guess thinking um, about it now, it's because they were like, shit, what's the son doing while this is happening? And then someone was finally like, what if he's just like stuck up in his room like he's frozen? <laughs> what yeah. if he just... Uh, and oh, what was the other thing? Oh, I do like the joke, this backing up a bit, where... Um, Gandolfini gets the car and he's like, Hey, I actually got propositioned by a hooker. Like <laughs> that's, you know, yes. it's just a dumb joke. Um, but also the whole Gandolfini, Catherine O'Hara thing, it, the end of it, it just fizzles out, which would work if they had set up the relationship differently. Cause doesn't it just kind of end with him being like, I don't want to go. Like, where am I going to go? And then she's like, well, just don't go then. And it's like, yeah. that's kind of the resolution. And in a different movie, or if it was set up differently, if it was like a weird indie drama, or if they handled kind of the the balance of like humor and reality a little bit better, where like it what like that tone fit, that would almost work. But it's just kind of like again, I guess it just fizzles out. Like they think they're doing something that they're not doing. Yeah, no, you're totally right because that that exchange of words is could actually be really good in a really good film and i i think they do a good job of it uh, like as well uh, because they're basically like you know emotionally repressed they don't talk about their feelings or whatever and they're just resentful towards each other and he sort of sidles in at this play where they're doing 
Christmas Carol in the local production and kind of mentions that I, I wouldn't even know where to go when she's like, and she's like, just don't go then. And, and he's like, and he's like, is that okay? And he's like, she's like, yeah, that's good. But it's like, he's vulnerable in that moment. There's acting going on there. But as you said, the relationship was never really established enough that it adds up. <laughs> yeah. Cause they almost, they, they play lip service to like, you know, he notices that she, even though she looks insane, like from her makeover, but you know, he's complimenting her and then she kind of like, is like, Oh yeah. Didn't we know someone with this car? Yeah. Us. And then, you know, there's, there's some stuff where like, Oh, this is working. I mean, you know, immediately there's going to be a weird backfire. I thought maybe there was going to be some more backfire with the car, but then the car never comes up again. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then even with like the idea that, yeah, then the, Duda's understudy is now hitting on her because he saw her in the like on the the porn picture, but that kind of doesn't go anywhere. I mean, Gandolfini does make a like he he does show that like he cares about her in a way, but it kind of just fizzles into nothing. Like I don't know, you know, like it's that's the whole movie. Everything is almost a thing. Yeah. Again, it's yeah, Tony Soprano <laughs> when he's in the when he's like you 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 ever almost get the answer and then it just goes away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's i think all of this is indicative of like they had multiple scripts versions and a lot of the scenes work on their own but they're not connected to the other scenes properly um so uh christina applegate like uh, ben affleck takes her out and shows her this tree that's been covered in ice uh like a story she told about her childhood and it is a touching moment but then he overdoes it and brings in like a whole pageant production with people coming in and singing carols and whatever and she is fucking disgusted <laughs> demands that he leaves yeah. which it, it doesn't really make sense because again they don't have enough behind there she's supposed to be like well i thought you were different but you were actually you know the thing i originally thought and meanwhile they've had like two scenes together yes <laughs> i'm like there's nothing here uh they're trying but there's nothing here and then as we said original girlfriends won over by this bracelet shows up with her family by the way she's like oh thank you for sending me this bracelet I'm going to show up at your family home and we're going to spend Christmas Eve with you and I'm not going to ask about it, even though we, we've broken up already. Yeah. This makes no fucking yes. sense. Can you imagine being so rude that you would show up at someone's place on Christmas Eve without asking or anything? It's insanity. And then even going back, because, I mean, again, it sets up kind of a fun idea, but they're just breezing through everything because now Christina Applegate gets to play along, but also, like get revenge in a way because she's, you know, coming in saying and she like, wants, I, I want to emphasize yeah. she, what she wants revenge for at this point. Right. So she's really upset about the overproduction of the tree. So she goes away for a while and then all of this happens where the other family shows up. She comes back yeah. and Ben Affleck's in the kitchen and she's like, you know what? I want to apologize. I overreacted, which makes sense because she did overreact. Yeah. And then she smooches him, which makes no sense yes. unless she's like, ah, he's a millionaire. Fuck it. But like, there's no relationship going on there. But then she's annoyed about him bringing his ex there, even though there was nothing happening between the two of them. So she takes her revenge for her kissing him without you know asking or anything she takes revenge for the vibes between them by just making fun of him uh in front of his girlfriend or i guess uh is what's happening right yeah basically because now he's like look i'm sorry i'm gonna be out of your life but just go like drive around for an hour while we kind of uh you know finish our charade in front of this girl my ex uh but then she's like oh they're having fun huh well i'll have fun too so now she gets to come in and say things like oh she's not fat and stuff like that and i guess i'm a basic ass bitch because i was expecting because remember when she she kisses him and steps away she's like let me get your present and then she just uh -huh. like throws her the present at him because she sees him kissing his ex so i'm expecting mm -hmm. that present to come up later on now you're a basic ass bitch jim but also like this movie it does all the basic ass shit <laughs> so i can't <laughs> no, no, be... i mean like you're you're asking this movie to <laughs> add up or make sense yeah so i'm expecting basic. like you want basic stories shit is what i'm saying yeah okay because yeah i'm expecting like maybe as he's about to leave after everything's in shambles he finds the present 
And it's, I mean, there's nothing set up where it could work, but I'm, you could squeeze something in there and it means something or whatever. Or she brings it up later when things are, you know, coming back, whatever it might be. But no, I mean, I guess it, she just got she got him a gift card for Radio Shack or something. And then she had to throw it against the wall because he was kissing his ex-girlfriend when she came back with it. Yeah. And uh, during all this, uh, she also finds out about Ben Affleck's sad backstory that his father left his uh, mother when he was four and his mother uh, worked really hard and always worked Christmas. And he, 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 she would make she'd get him like a big stack of pancakes on Christmas Eve until he was 18. And then she passed away while he was at college. And he ends this story by going, I've never been in a coffee shop since. <laughs> Which yes. is supposed to be a dramatic line, but it's fucking bananas yeah. that that's the line. Um, and I think this and, is a fine backstory, honestly. Um, yeah, and it's just the fact that it never came up that like yes. no one ever thought like maybe he yeah. doesn't have family and that's part of why he's insane. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and I mean... It, if the movie like the movie could have re- could have revealed that a little not even a little probably a lot sooner you didn't have to treat that as a reveal because like you'd said yeah. before it's clear to us the audience that there's a tragedy or something going on it's not that he just hates his family i mean clearly there's a story there so we're just waiting for it you could you could fill us in and then have other people find out after and the fact that he's calling, you know, James Gandolfini dad and everything, there's just so much potential there of him accidentally shouting something about, you never should have left or whatever. Yes. Like, and because uh, he's obviously, there's something psychological going on where he's like displacing or trying to relive stuff. Like, that's what this film is about, but they never bother to go into it properly or have any scenes that relate to it. It's just annoying millionaire guy, but we kind of like him because why? Because he, I don't know why we're supposed to like him in the end, but he's just annoying millionaire guy we don't get to see any of his psyche he tells a sad story but he's trying at the end he like does the thing where he burns the you know all his grievances and says i forgive you after i guess he's told the story but he hasn't actually relived anything in a significant way that's allowed him to do that we haven't actually seen him do that we've just seen him be a crazy person and also the idea of like and again this is just maybe nitpicking um I mean, number one, it's like, I know it's it's not pitched as the best house, but also the idea that a, a, a lady that works at a diner, a 24-hour diner, would have that home. And never mind the fact of, like, Ben Affleck and Christina Applegate are not that different in age. So, like, did he grow up in that house while she grew up in that house? Or did she not grow up in that house? You know what I mean? Like when you start thinking about some of these things, if they had explained it away, similar to the doodah thing of like, I didn't even grow up in this house. Like, you know, this is a house I used to walk by or growing up or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. And yeah I, we actually grew up in like a really yeah. shitty apartment. And that I would have made more sense. And, you know, like, then he would have been because then yeah. he has a reason to focus on like his riches now because he grew up with nothing. And so he's like, this is how I express everything with money. Uh, but they didn't do that. <laughs> yeah, because, yeah, at the very least, like this was just the house I would always wish I grew up in type deal or something like that. Um, would have added a bit more because again, I was because when they were having the moment where they almost kissed, I'm like, wait, did they both grow up in that house or <laughs> you know, what the fuck? No, I mean they they must have just moved in there. But I'm yeah. also like, it, it, all along the the film is about like money, I guess, and not having it. Yeah, but this house is so nice to me. It looks <laughs> like a fucking little mansion, right? Yeah, but they make like jokes about how it's shit. Like, give it a paint job inside. They've like. Tried to make it look not amazing, but it's still a huge ass house. Just look at how the stairs like turn on the way up and yeah. everything. And I'm like, fuck me, that's a nice looking house. Um, but he supposedly grew up in it, even though his mother had to take double shifts at Christmas to make ends meet. Um, and yeah, it. Sorry, we've talked about this film for almost an hour, and <laughs> yeah, I I, the like film is only an up. hour and a half. It does feel a lot longer than that, but yeah. I, I guess we should wrap it up. I'll say for it sure. ends... In a diner. They have moments at the end of the film that you always have to have at the end of the film. So all of this happens, right? And uh, Missy, that's the girlfriend, her her family storms up and uh, storms out, and she, oh, their relationship is, is over, and finally Ben Affleck, uh, he, he's at home, 
and he's back where he started. It's Christmas and he's alone. He flew too close to the sun or some shit. And James Gandolfini shows up. And I do like that James Gandolfini shows up and he's like, uh, you know, he, it's just what happens in a film like this. You have to go back to the start and then have something, you know, reconnect, show the change, hero's journey, etc. But James Gandolfini shows up and he's like, you owe me money. And that I did like that because it's like he's yeah. not there to go like... You know, I, I'll spend Christmas with you. Because at this point, he's broken up and left his wife because of the photos that were on the internet, even though it makes no sense that they were on the internet. And uh, her, the, uh, Catherine O'Hara never consented to any of that. <laughs> um, but it was on the internet. So, so James Gandolfini left in his fancy car. And then he shows up there. And then they both have tickets to A Christmas Carol which is uh, where Duda, the grandpa actor, is playing now on Christmas Eve. So they both decide to go. And this, I don't even mind. It kind of makes sense because him showing up and going, you owe me money, that's actually him being, hey, it's Christmas and I'm lonely. Yeah. <laughs> and that's kind of the same thing I was saying about the repressed emotions. And that kind of makes sense. I do like how that adds up. And they go to the play and, you know, they decide not to divorce, as we said. And then... Uh, ben Affleck and Christina Applegate just make out uh, on the steps I, and then they're all having food in the diner and this part also makes no sense that uh, the girlfriend's, the original girlfriend's <laughs> family driving is driving around. past <laughs> yeah. when they're making out on the steps and then they're like, oh, incest now too or something and they drive off and I'm like, you've already established that there's incest in this family. That's one yeah. of the reasons you left the house earlier, remember? Yeah. Um, so it's just very weird and very like American pie to have someone drive up like, what? Lowering their glasses as they're making up out and that's like the end of the film and then they're in the diner having fucking pancakes and that's fucking a wrap <laughs> yeah that's a wrap uh it is so funny because what they just been driving around the whole time and they're still driving around because they just need to sneak that joke in because they're like fuck we couldn't have it earlier it wouldn't make sense that they'd be, they'd be kissing and making out at the home that's when everything's hit the fan uh, and it's a great point because I gotta emphasize that in this time, Ben Affleck goes back home, has a sad alone Christmas, yes. watches some cartoons and has a drink. So he has a sad montage and they're still just driving around there, <laughs> yeah, apparently <they're> st <laughs> still having left where uh, they, just a few minutes ago. And they're still cruising around arguing because like, the dad's yelling at the mom for being hoity-toity or whatever. Oh yeah, there's an unnecessary reveal that uh, the girlfriend from the start... Her mom actually, like, was with another guy, and so <laughs> the dad, dad. <laughs> isn't yeah. even her dad. But that's just thrown out as a joke and then never touched on again. <laughs> yeah, it's just kind of like, well, she's a bad person. She deserves to find this out, that that's not even her father. Her mother's a bitch. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. And then, yeah, we end uh, full circle. He never stepped foot in a diner again, but now he's back in a diner, and it's, we got ourselves a new Christmas tradition. And... He did get a family because, I mean, honestly, it would he, be... They totally banged him yeah, and Christina Applegate. It, it would actually be more um, emotional or have more, like, it would, it would hit more to me if he didn't have this romantic uh, connection. If it just... If he didn't fuck his way into the family. Yeah, if it just came yeah. about, like, you know... Even, like the fact that they just welcome him into the family and it's the fact that you know family isn't always blood and you know you can you can choose your family in some circumstances even a like Candelfini being like hey call me dad or something like that but no nah, I mean I guess either way works I'm just saying it would almost hit harder if it's just the fact that he's welcome into the family at the end but you know hey they're gonna have a relationship they're gonna get married they're gonna live happily ever after they're gonna eat pancakes every Christmas <laughs> yeah I mean, who wouldn't want James Gandolfini to say, hey, call me daddy? Yeah. Like, you've seen that guy. Absolutely. Big Hulk man. Um, I think the perfect summary of this film is on the list of accolades um, on the Wikipedia, which says that it was nominated for three Golden Raspberry Awards at the 2005 ceremony. Now, these are awards that are given to the worst films. Didn't win. Um, they didn't win the awards, though. Exactly. Yeah. It's not bad enough to be good because it's bad. It's not good enough to be good because it's good. It lost to Catwoman for worst picture. It, ben Affleck lost worst actor to George Bush in Fahrenheit 9-11. Wait. 
Yeah, yeah, nine, that's nine, their. Nine, I mean, the thing is, I kind of hate the Golden Raspberry Awards though, too. But go ahead. <laughs> and it lost for worst screenplay to Catwoman. I'm just saying, it's not like bad enough to be a fun culty film. Mm. It's just a confusing mess of we didn't connect the dots properly on something that could have been good. Agreed. So that's probably why. Uh, they well, I mean, also the release and everything, but it did. Uh, you know, it cost forty-five million to make. Hopefully, James Gandolfini got a fair slice of that, and uh, the box office was fifteen million. So there you go. That's surviving Christmas, and we survived watching it and discussing it. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, that's how did that movie cost that? But I mean, I guess yeah, it's got to be just like Affleck's fee, maybe Gandolfini. But yeah, we did it. We, we tis the season. Uh, I hope. You didn't have to watch it, but I mean, maybe if you did watch it, you got some catharsis from our uh, discussion on it. Or maybe maybe you love it. Maybe this is a movie you watch every Christmas. <laughs> if that's the case, you could let us know at showswhatyouknowshow at gmail.com. And if you have theories, regardless of if you've watched the film or not, of how her pictures ended up on the porn <laughs> website, please let me know. Is it what there was like an assistant in the photo shoot? Maybe he runs a shady porn thing, oh, even yes. though it's like high profile acting. Because I read on when I read the plot on the wiki, it said that her images were manipulated into the porn site. So then I'm like, ah, they didn't oh. actually shoot porn. They like took out her face and put on porn which again could have happened even if she wasn't in these glamour shots what were these glamour shots for where did they end up if you have answers shows what you know show at gmail.com please put me out of my misery and be on the lookout if you made it this far by the way uh that um godfather coda is on the horizon so we will be discussing the godfather 3 or godfather coda the death of michael corleone uh we also are in the possession of the Sopranos Road to Respect, the PlayStation yes. 2 game. So I'm uh, very excited to discuss that. And I, I think I might even be streaming it, uh, you know, in the coming Excellent. weeks on twitch.tv slash Jim and them. Um, so, yeah, great stuff happening on the feed. Send us your emails. Please uh, review, subscribe, tell a friend. And beyond that, I think there's just one more thing, Jim. Ooh, what's that? Cut to black. <laughs> 